So, Exodus is all about God revealing through rescue. So God is going to act in rescuing his people, and as he does this, he's going to show us who he is, what he's like. He's going to display his character for us to see. God reveals through rescue. And the first part of Exodus asks this question, who is the Lord? Who is this God? And we have this repeated phrase, then you will know. He's going, to, he's going to show us, as he rescues God's people out of Egypt, and as we see that, then you'll know who he is. Then you'll know that he's God. And then the second half of Exodus, from chapter 19 onwards, turns attention to the people who God has rescued, Israel, and asks this question, well, who are his people? And then we get this, then you will be. Now I've saved you. If you live for me, then you will be my special people. So we're in part one. Who is the Lord? Then you'll know. And uh, we have these uh, little phrases to help us remember what Exodus is about. Six parts. God hears. That was last week. God hears. God speaks. God rescues. God speaks again. God speaks again again. God comes down. Okay. I'm sure you will memorize that already. So let's say it all together. God hears. God speaks. God rescues. God speaks again. God speaks again again. God comes down. Very nice. Okay, these two tables. Are you ready? God hears, God speaks, God rescues. God speaks again, God speaks again again, God comes down. Very good. These two tables. God hears, God speaks, God rescues. God speaks again, God speaks again again, God comes down. Are you ready, boys? Come on! In fact, in fact, good one. Have a go. You can do it. God speaks again. God speaks again again. God comes down. Very good. Let's all do it together. God hears. God speaks. God rescues. God speaks again. God speaks again again. God comes down. Last week we had God hears and we saw how God hears the cries of the Israelites as they, they cry out to him because they're in slavery. Back in Genesis, God had made what we're going to keep referring to as the big covenant promise to Abraham. And the promise was that Israel, who would, who would come from Abraham's family, would be God's people, and they would live in the promised land, and they'd be blessed, and they'd be a blessing, and it would all be wonderful. But in chapter 1, we find Israel in Egypt, not in the promised land. And they're suffering intensely and not being blessed and being a blessing. And so the question we were asking, well, has God forgotten his big covenant promise, his relationship with them? Can he be faithful? And then we saw, um, have a look at this, Exodus chapter 2, verse 25, page 59. Exodus 2, verse 59. Uh, Sorry, uh, verse 24. Page 59. Exodus 2, verse 24, God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. Yes, he did remember. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. God hears. God heard. And he hears us too. We also said last week that the, um, the way to truly get to know someone is to see what they do. We talked about God revealing himself as he rescues. We see what he's like. This idea of don't just tell me what you're like. Show me. And that's what God does. And Exodus is all about God showing us who he is by rescuing Israel out of slavery. 
So the Exodus story, think of it this way, is like a firework display of the character of God. Who is the Lord? Watch the rescue and you'll see. But hearing the story of God rescuing his people might not be as straightforward as we might think. I mean, us hearing the story. We have this inbuilt feature as sinful human beings where we read any story and we make it all about us. I find myself doing this. You know, I'm telling a story about something that's happened to me and I exaggerate the details a little bit that my involvement and what I did and how awesome I was or impressed. You know, you just twist it. You're not lying. What are you kind of about? But do you know what I mean? We make things about us. And I've talked about this before. You know, on Facebook, when a picture comes up of a party you were at or something like that, what do you do? Who do you look for? You look for you. Where am I in the picture? How do I look? Mm, what is that going to look like to everybody? We, we are always looking at us in a story or in a picture or something like that. So, thinking about the Exodus story then, well, we know, we've just been saying it, that it's all about God showing us who he is. But God knows what we're like. He um, knows that we want to make humans the heroes of the story. So we could really easily read Exodus and be looking to see um, how important we are. You know, how does this affirm how special I am? So we, we, we latch on to Moses, okay? Um, he, he's some kind of human hero who we're, who we're supposed to be inspired by. You know, be like Moses. That's what we look for in Exodus. And you think, yes, I can be like Moses. You know, he's this, he's this great rescuer and all of this. And we're like, yeah, go us, go humans. And that's what we focus on. But God knows we're like this. So this week... It's all about God speaking. And when he speaks at the beginning of this big rescue, before he's done anything, God makes it as clear as day who is the hero. And I'll give you a clue. It's not Moses. It's not the Israelites. It's God. Now, if we were Moses writing the story of Exodus, he most likely wrote this and was recording what happened. We would have airbrushed the bits we're going to read tonight. Because Moses doesn't come off very well in these chapters. But Moses is actually very honest in the way he writes, and he lets the power and competency of God shine as you contrast it to Moses and his lack of competence to rescue. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to work through, and you may want to divide your page with this, what does Moses say and do as God speaks What does God say and do? And we're going to see, as we build this picture up, that God is the Exodus hero. So I'll let you draw your line. Moses, God. And we're just going to work our way through the verses. Pretty straightforward. So, first up, let's read verses 1 to 6. Exodus 3, 1 to 6. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over to see the strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. 
Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. So, first up, what's Moses up to? He is doing a bit of sheep herding, okay? He's shepherding his father-in-law's sheep. Well done. And then pretty much by accident, he takes his sheep to this (coughs) mountain called Horeb, and it says... In verse 1, it's the mountain of God. Now, why is it called that? Well, this mountain has another name which you might have heard of, which is Sinai. When God speaks again, so here's God speaks, later on I'm going to get God speaks again. Guess where it is? (laughs) This mountain, Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai. Flip over the page to 3 verse 12, I'll prove it to you. God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So God speaks to Moses on this mountain, and when he speaks to them again, gives them the law and all that jazz, which is going to come later, it's the same mountain, okay? So Mount Sinai is the place where God speaks. Now, what I want us to notice is that Moses here, doing his shepherding, he is not on a mission to find God. He's just looking after a sheep. Okay, so what does God do? Well, God appears and calls Moses. So he's just doing a sheepy thing. And in 3 verse 2, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up, so over he went. So we get the angel of the Lord appearing. Now the angel of the Lord pops up a few times in the Old Testament. It's quite mysterious to figure out who this is. And I think it's a messenger from God who, who isn't God, but often appears when God himself is going to speak. It's a manifestation of the presence of God. But very clearly, God himself is here because in verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to Moses from within the bush. So the presence of God is here and we get the whole holy ground thing. So this is clearly God's presence. So this event is God himself appearing to Moses. But God doesn't just appear. Verse 4, God, look at this in the middle of verse 4, God called to him. Let that sink in. It's not Moses on a mountaintop, meditating, fasting, reaching out to God. God makes the move to Moses. God calls Moses by name. The initiative is God's. The speaking, the revealing, is God to Moses, not the other way around. It's not like he works up his mountain and makes his way up to God. He's just doing some sheep herding. God speaks to him. Well, let's have a look at what God says. Verse 5. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. But this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. I mean, who's owning the show? This, this is God's place, right? This is his pure, holy presence. He dictates how close Moses can come. And then we get his first bit of kind of speech to Moses. Verse 7. The Lord said... I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land, um, 
land into a good and spacious land, the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses, I've seen that you're a tough dude. I'm impressed with the way you killed that Egyptian in chapter 2. So finally I've got someone who can rescue my people. No, 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 no. It's not what God says. God here is doing everything. Let's work through. What does he do? First up, we get in verse 7. The Lord said, I have seen the misery of my people. I have heard, he's reiterating what we saw last week, I've heard them crying out. I am concerned about their suffering. And then verse 8, here's the biggie. So I have come down to rescue them and bring them to the land. Just think about that for a moment. What a thing to say. God in heaven, in his holy purity, but now he says, I have come down to this mountain. God doesn't save by proxy. He doesn't save from a distance. He's the general who goes to the trenches. I have come down to rescue So are we clear? Who's rescuing Israel? God. God is. And yet in verse 10 he says to Moses, I'm sending you. I will send you. And Moses gets sent. So God is going to use Moses, a human, as he does throughout the Bible, that he uses humans to rescue his people. But let it be clear, God is sending Moses. It is not Moses taking the initiative, calling on God to do some stuff and sending God. Who's the hero? God's the Exodus hero. He calls Moses. Right. God's been doing some speaking, and now we get Moses doing some speaking. So, um, you know, he said, I'm, I'm going to send you. And so we, we might expect the, the, the great prophet to go, here I am. Send me. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Moses says, well, who am I? Quite rightly, he takes a look at himself and thinks, well, I'm not qualified. And there's a double double whammy if you look at what he says. Uh, One, you want me to go to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, big chin thing, lots of swords, oppressing people, scary. Two, you want me to bring the Israelites out. So step one is getting Pharaoh to agree to it and then getting these thousands of Israelites out in one piece. That's what you want me to do. Now, if you were God, what would you say to Moses to encourage him? Moses, don't be so down on yourself, mate. I've asked you for a reason. Be the better you you were made to be. Moses has low self-esteem. So the good thing we to do is pick up his self-esteem. Let's see how God answers. Verse 12. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. I will be with you. I can't do it, God. I know, but I can. A kid's being bullied at school, and he says, Dad, I don't want to go to school tomorrow. I can't do it. What does the dad say? Don't worry, son. I'll come with you. That's what God says. Here's your reassurance. Not that you're ace. I'm going to come with you, son. Moses has another question in verse 13. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, 
What is his name? And what shall I tell them? So Moses anticipates another problem. When he goes to the Israelites and says, well, God's told me to come and rescue you and help you out, the Israelites are going to want some kind of validation, you know, that this really is their God who's going to rescue them. And so God gives an awesome and powerful answer. Verse 14. So what's your name? What shall I say? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers. Here they are again. Spot this. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. So God answers the how will they know that you're, which God it is who sent me with three kind of interlinked answers. First thing he says is, I am who I am. Then we get, say, I am has sent me. And then we get, the Lord, the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me. And those three things are linked. So the first, the God said to Moses, I am who I am. That's not a name. That's a description. What's your name? God's reply is to describe his being. His totally free being. Now, if I describe myself, you know, who are you, Phil? Well, I would describe it in terms of people I'm related to. So I'm husband to Vicky, I'm dad to Rosie. Or my job, you know, who am I? Well, this is what I do. And this is what we do. Hey, welcome to Globe Church. What do you do? That's kind of what we talk about. But God describes himself and he simply is who he is. He needs no one. He simply exists. Always has, always will. God is life. You and I exist because someone else started it. God didn't start. He'll never finish. He, he just is. Think about that in contrast to Moses. Little baby, uh, threatened with death, gets rescued by his sister, handed over, and, and then rescued by Pharaoh's daughter, and then his mother. His whole life he's been dependent on being rescued by people. God, I am who I am. Who do you think is going to be the hero? Then God gives the name. Tell them, I am has sent me to you. So the eternal, pure, self-sufficient existence of God, the I am who I am, kind of gets encapsulated into this name. I am. There's something very special about this name. It's God's personal covenant name. His personal name for the Israelites, his people, is the name they're going to recognize. Remember, they're looking for, is this the God who sent you? I don't know if you have pet names, or maybe your parents have pet names for you, or your pet names for a spouse, or something like that. God loves all the earth, but especially his people. And I am is the name that says, I'm your God. It's his personal name to those he loves. And then I am... And this is kind of complicated, but go with it. <laughs> I am morphs into this name Yahweh, which in our Bibles is capital L-O-R-D, um, Lord in verse 15. The Lord. They, they have the same root, those two, two words. So we've got God saying, um, you, you see, oh, well, I want you to see how this is God's, by saying I am, that's the name, uh, Yahweh, the Lord. This is God's, personal, his big covenant relationship name. And, and you see that in verse 15. So he says the Lord, but how does he explain the Lord bit? The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're those guys again. The people that God made the promise to back in Genesis. 
So the Israelites in Egypt will hear Moses come, say the name Yahweh, and they'll recognize it. That's our God. That's Abraham's God. And then God reaffirms the covenant promise and says, I'm going to take you back into the land. So God, how will the Israelites know that you're really God? Moses, use my special name. The name that says God is eternal and self-sufficient. The name that says I've made a big covenant promise. The name that says you're my special people. That's what this all means. Okay, but Moses has some more doubts. What if they don't listen? Uh, Let's read from verse 18. 318. The elders of Israel will um, listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to them, so he's going to Pharaoh now, this is what he's supposed to say, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifice to the Lord our God. Basically, let my people go. But I know, this is God speaking, the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. And I, this is cool. I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people, you Israelites, so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in a house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters and so you will plunder the Egyptians. Basically, I'm going to show my awesome power. You'll get rescued and you'll get all their gold at the same time. All right. Four verse one, Moses answered, what if they, as in the Egyptians, do not believe me? Or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you. So Moses' question is, well, what if they don't listen? God gives Moses three miraculous signs to use before the Egyptians. And he also uses them before the Israelites as well. Three miraculous signs. Uh, the first one um, we get is um, to do with a staff and a snake. Let's have a look. Uh, verse 2, then the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand, take it by the tail. So Moses reached out, took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So the Israelites and later the Egyptians will know this really is God. Then he gives them another sign where, where um, Moses would put his hand in his jacket. I'm sure he had a cloak or something. Um, and he'd pull it out and he would have a disease and then put it back in and it would be healed. And then there's a third one which will actually become the first plague that the Nile will turn to blood. So how will the Egyptians believe? How will the Israelites believe? Because of Moses? Because of Moses' power? No. God gives Moses three signs. The mighty hand will be God's, not Moses's. Okay, the last one. All right. Moses got one more question. And I summarise this question with this. But... All right. Okay, have a look. Uh, verse 10. That wake you up, didn't it? Verse 10. Moses said to the Lord... He's actually more eloquent than I give him. Pardon your servant, Lord. I've, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since um, you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. He's kind of saying... I, I can't say, I, I, I can't do this, talking, blah, blah, blah. That's where I, where I get that from. I'm in, ex- extrapolating. Now again, God's answer to Moses isn't some kind of speech and language therapy. And it's, it's, you know, this isn't the king's speech that he then does on Moses, right? Look at his answer in verse 11. The Lord said to, to him, 
Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and and will teach you what to say. So again, God says, you can't speak? Oh, well done. No, no, no. I will teach you what to say. I will help you. God is the hearer. I said Jesus then. We'll get that. All right. But Moses then persists and says, no, really, really, I can't do it. Please send someone else. And God raises up Aaron to go and help Moses' brother to help him. So you can see it stacking up, right? God speaks to Moses and he's speaking to us tonight and saying, he wants us to know that before anything happens, God is the hero. He's the one who calls Moses. He's the one who hears. He's the one who comes down. God is the great eternal covenant keeping I am. God will be with this faltering rescuer. God is the one who provides the signs, the, the plagues that will cause Pharaoh to let the people go. God gives Moses words. God even gives Moses Aaron, his brother, to help him. So he's saying, you better be clear. This isn't a story about humans overcoming great odds. This is a story about God. He's the Exodus hero. And as we finish, I want to think about how that is good news for us. Because we're the kid who says to his dad, I don't want to go to school tomorrow, it's too hard. And God doesn't say to us, man up. He says, I'll come with you. The Lord Jesus Christ, God himself, has come down. Like God here says he came down. And in the Lord Jesus Christ, finally we have resolved this tension using the human rescuer and God being the hero. Because in the Bible, human hero after hero failed. Abraham, Noah, Moses, David, Solomon, Israel, and God himself constantly had to act, just like in Exodus. But in Jesus, the perfect harmony we have of God himself acting as a perfect rescuing man. And so Jesus is our rescuer, the God-man. He's the hero of our rescue story as Christians. And so I don't know what it is that you come to God with saying, I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't do this. God, I feel too guilty. And he says, I'm not asking you to be the hero. Let Jesus forgive you. God, I, I can't overcome my sin. I'm not asking you to be the hero. Let Jesus help you change. I feel too weak to speak for you. I'm not asking you to be the hero. Let Jesus and his spirit help you speak. God, I don't know how to serve you. I'm not asking you to be the hero. Let Jesus serve you. And then you can serve him. God is our hero, displayed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray and then we'll get into our Bible studies. Dear Heavenly Father, we we are sorry that we so want to make ourselves the centre of everything. But Lord, when we think about it, that's an impossible place to be. We're not the heroes of our lives. We can't save ourselves. We need you. We need the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect man to rescue us. The fully God, you yourself, coming down, hearing our cries, displaying your mighty rescuing power. Help us to see that more in our lives, to stop relying on ourselves. Give us relief from having to be the hero. We pray that you would be the heroes of our lives 
as individuals but as the church together that you have saved us and you will take us home so father please speak to us now as we turn to your word show us more of who you are how you are the hero of our rescue in jesus name amen